Well, again, we uh, love having you here today. My name is Paul Mumaw, and I'm the lead pastor here at Genesis. And there was a story uh, in the paper just a few months back about a guy by the name of Walter Zamasco. Uh, He was found dead in his home in Carson City, Nevada, and really a a pretty sad story. Uh, He was a loner, um, found dead in his home, and they believe at least one month after he had died and, and left nothing but $200 in his bank account. Uh, Walter had lived in this particular house since the 1960s, and his mother lived with him until 1992 when she died. But other than that, uh, the man was virtually unknown. He left no will and had no apparent close relatives. Uh, But in a big surprise, as Walter's house was being cleared uh, to be sold, the workers struck gold, literally. As the story goes, these gold coins... Uh, minted as early as the 1840s in countries like Mexico and England and South Africa were discovered. And based on the weight of the gold alone, officials estimate their value and their worth around $7 million. And and because some of the coins appear to be these rare collector's items, uh, many believe that the value could go even higher. You know, there's a really good chance that most of you um, probably have one of these in your house somewhere. And uh, if you don't have one of these or, uh, um, you know, have access to one, you, you at least could get one. I mean, you know where you could go. You could stop by a bookstore and pick one up. You could get one from our info hub. Um, it's the Bible. And it's God's Word. And, and I think it's something that maybe we're all guilty of taking advantage of um, at, at one point or another. But uh, what we're doing here at Genesis, uh, just real simply, is we're challenging everyone to read through the Bible with us in 2013. And, and here's what I think, and here's what I believe, that if you'll give this a shot, um, by the time you get through it, you're going to be amazed to see, you're going to be amazed at the incredible blessing that maybe you've had in your home all this time. It, it, it's kind of like you've been sitting on gold and maybe never even realized it. And whether you've spent some time in your Bible or maybe spent, you know, a little time in your Bible, you know, I think we can all agree that it's not always the easiest book to understand and uh, maybe not the easiest to read. And so that's why we're using a great uh, book here uh, this year at Genesis called The Story. And uh, we're using this book. We believe this book can be a great resource for us uh, as we work through the Bible together. The story is basically NIV verses compiled together uh, so that it reads more and more like a story. It's not a paraphrase of the Bible, but it's just made up of carefully selected verses from the Bible and organized chronologically. And and I'm, I'm anxious for you, if you haven't already, to start reading this. I, I've already started reading it. I'm about five chapters through it right now, and I just got to tell you that I love it. And, and if you're like me at all, you've probably maybe become frustrated from time to time trying to read your Bible all the way through. And, and I think what you're going to find is you're going to really love how the story comes together and it reads like a novel. And, and because of the way that it's laid out and organized, I think you'll better see and better understand what our God has been up to uh, all through history. Um, we, we, we've got these available. If you haven't picked one up yet, we've got them for a $5 donation back at the Info Hub. We've sold out of them every week that we've had them so far, but we just got another 100 copies in uh, this weekend, so we'd love for you to get one. Uh, maybe you want to follow along in your own Bible. You can do that. There's a bookmark in, in your uh, news program today, in your worship program today. You can follow along with those verses. Maybe you're more of an electronic reader. You can download one of those from the internet if you like. But if you haven't picked one up yet, we want you to get one. And I want you to read it and I want you to follow along. In fact, um, your homework for this week as we get started is to read chapter one for this week. 
Uh, just, just start reading the story of creation. And if you do that, if you sit down and put yourself to it, it's only going to take you about 20 minutes. And, and so if you want to be aggressive and if you really want to go over and above, maybe read it a couple of times this week. Uh, but read chapter 1, the account of creation. And then when we come back together again next Sunday, uh, we're going to talk about chapter 1. We're going to talk about creation at both of our campuses. Now, there are a couple of reasons why I think it's really important for you to read along with us. Um, We're going to spend 31 weeks in 2013 preaching through the stories on on Sunday, um, but we're going to only be able to cover so much territory every week. And and so reading along is only going to enhance your understanding of the story. Now, if if you really want to take it to the next level, I'd encourage you to find someone in your life that you can discuss it with. Uh, You know, maybe the person that brought you today or maybe a spouse or a roommate or a friend or somebody. Uh, Read it as a family. You know, and what would it look like for you as a family to take one night every week at dinner where you just talked about that particular chapter that you're reading together or jump into one of our groups. Uh, we got a bunch of connection groups that are going through the story uh, with us yet. And, and if you haven't joined a group yet, I'd encourage you as you leave today just outside of these doors to your left, we've got an area set up with some people that would love to help you get plugged into one of our groups. But here's the really cool part about it. If you're here today, and you're totally new to Genesis Church or new to church in general or maybe new to Christianity or stuff like that, I've got to tell you that you couldn't have come at a better time. I mean, what we're going to do over the course of this year uh, is we're going to look at some questions, some questions that you've probably been asking. You know, questions about God, questions about the Bible and about church. And, and that's what we're doing in 2013. I mean, starting today and really getting into it next week. And so I want to encourage you. I want you to make it a point to be here with us each Sunday and to read the story on your own. And if you do, I, I think that you'll get to the end of the year and you'll look back and you'll be so glad that you did. And, and why, are we, why are we putting so much emphasis behind this? I mean, why do we feel like this is so important? I mean, why carve out 31 weeks of reading and teaching through the story in 2013? Because honestly, I, I think this book is, is different than any other book that you've ever read in your life. I mean, these are the words of God. And that sets them apart from anything else that you might ever have come across. Here's here's what the Apostle Paul says about the Bible in 2 Timothy chapter 3.16. He says, All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Uh, The Apostle Peter wrote it this way in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 24. He says, For all people are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. And then Paul writes again in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13, and he says, We also thank God continually, because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it, not as a human word, but as it actually is, the word of God, which is indeed at work in you who believe. The word of God. That's what we believe, and that it's life-changing, and it's powerful, and I want you to read the Bible for yourself because I want you to see that you're not here by accident, that, that your life and that your creation is on purpose, and as we study the story together, you're going to see for yourself how God's plan for your life and His plan for the world, how it really all comes together. So 
If you've got your Bible today, whether you've got the story with you or you've got your own Bible with you, I want to invite you to turn to Luke chapter 24. And if by chance you have a copy of the story with you, you can go to page 384. Uh, I'm going to look at a story briefly with you. This is a story that we'll look at in September again uh, when we get to the New Testament. But uh, in Luke chapter 24, uh, just to give you some context, Jesus is about 33 years old at the time. Uh, He's lived his life on the earth and, and preached and taught. And when we get to this particular place in history, uh, he's been crucified, died, and placed in the tomb. But Luke 24 is a Sunday. And really cool things always happen on Sundays. And so this is a story you may or may not know, maybe a story that you're familiar with. But some of Jesus' followers, who were women, had gone to the tomb to take some spices as a part of his burial. And to their surprise, when they arrived, they found that the stone was no longer covering the entrance of the tomb, that the tomb was deserted except for a couple of angels that that announced that he's no longer here, that Jesus Christ has risen from the dead. And so these women, they rush back to wherever the disciples were at this particular time with this good news, but the disciples don't believe them. All right, they, they, they don't believe anything they have to say. They, they, they accuse the women of being crazy, accuse them of hallucinating. And, and this is where we pick it up. Again, the women are out and they're telling everyone what they saw or didn't see. And a couple of guys are on foot now walking down this road on the way to a village called Emmaus. And, and they're covering some ground when all of a sudden this man comes up alongside of them, Jesus, and he's walking next to them. But, but the real interesting part about this account is they don't recognize him. Right? They don't understand at first that this is Jesus. And, and so picking it up in Luke 24, verse 17, here's what it says. He, this is Jesus, asked them, Hey, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. Now, stop there for just a second. Do you know why their faces were downcast? They had put a lot of hope in Jesus. I mean, they had invested a lot of time and energy in their heart in Jesus, and now they're grieving his death. And on top of that, they're trying to make sense of the fact that, you know, his body is gone and all of this confusion about where he went or who took it. And and just notice right here that, that before Jesus tells them his story, he asks about theirs. And that's a really important takeaway. If you're taking notes and you want to write this down, the first takeaway is that your story matters to God. I mean, your story, your life matters to God. And and I don't care how badly you've messed up in life. Um, It doesn't matter your doubts. Um, It doesn't matter what you've experienced or the questions that you have or even some of the questions that maybe you're asking even as you're sitting here here today. I mean, for these men here, they're just confused. I mean, they don't know how to make, you know, sense of what's going on right now, but, but just see how Jesus wants to hear from them first. I mean, their story matters to him and your story and my story, it matters to God too. And so Jesus says, hey, what are you talking about? And they're like, what do you mean, what are we talking about? Like, we're talking about what everyone else in Jerusalem is talking about right now. I mean, there, there, there was this man and he was crucified and he went to the tomb and now his tomb is empty and his body is gone. I mean, can it really get any worse? And so in verse 19, these men, they just start describing him. They just start describing Jesus. Look at what they said. In verse 19, they said he was a prophet powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. 
In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. And they came and told us that they, they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said. But again, they didn't see Jesus. And just notice here how Jesus just continues to hear from them, to hear their heart, to hear their side of the story. I mean, they've got questions. I mean, they were expecting so much else in Jesus, something great in him they were hoping. But right now, things like life and the future don't make a lot of sense to them. And you know, when you think about it, it's not all that different today, is it? I mean, maybe in your life or the people that you come in contact with. I mean, think of all the people that you know right now that are just trying to make sense of life, that are trying to put all the pieces together. You know, with this being Super Bowl Sunday, I I was reminded of a 60 Minutes interview with New England Patriots quarterback Tom Brady that aired a few years ago. And I know we have a ton of Tom Brady fans here today, all right? So just, just bear with me if you would. But, but at the time of this interview, Brady was 28 years old, had already won three Super Bowls. And like him or not, it, puts him, it gives him an accomplishment that really puts him in a category with some of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. And, and in addition to this on-field success, he's got a big fat contract, lots of endorsements, a beautiful wife and family. I mean, from our vantage point and perspective, he's a guy that has it all, right? But if you saw the interview, you might recall that there was one point in the 60 Minutes interview where Brady asked a question of himself. And he paused and said this. He says, why do I have three Super Bowl rings and still think that there is something greater out there for me? I mean, maybe a lot of people would say, hey, man, this is what is. I reached my goal, my dream, my life. But me, I think, gosh, it's got to be more than this. I mean, this isn't. This can't be what it's all cracked up to be. Three Super Bowl rings, lots of money, but still wondering, there has to be more. The truth is that there is more. I mean, there is more to this life, and it begins when your life and your story intersect with God's story. And it begins when you take the focus off yourself and your circumstances, and you choose to instead place it on God. I mean, it's living the life that is truly life. I mean, It's a life of service. It's a life of generosity and love for others. I mean, more than you might believe, your story is incredibly important to our God. And can I just tell you something? I mean, if you're here and you're hurting today, I mean, like the men on this road with Jesus, God knows your pain. And if you'd look at your life right now and say, you know what, right now, or at least up to this point, it's been nothing but a letdown, He knows your disappointment. I mean, God knows when you're confused, He knows when you're angry, He knows when you're anxious. I mean, he can see when your life is spinning out of control and he not only knows, but he promises that he cares. And I just think it's real interesting how Jesus responds to these men. I mean, again, they don't know it's Jesus, but verse 27 says, and beginning with Moses and all the prophets, Jesus explained to them what the scripture said concerning himself. And so while they walk together, Jesus starts teaching them. And he goes all the way back to the very beginning of the scriptures, all the way back to Genesis. And he starts talking about the days of Moses. And he just starts showing them these events from the beginning and how he was there. And, well, that's what we're going to discover as we read through the story, as we talk about the story this year, is that God has always had a plan. And that leads to the second takeaway. God's story, this story right here, is all about Jesus. The whole thing. From beginning to end, it's all about Jesus. 
I mean, you might have always thought that Jesus makes nothing more than a guest appearance in the New Testament, but it's not true. I mean, the story from Genesis to Revelation, from beginning to end, is all about Jesus. He's the main character. And my hope for you is that even as you read through the pages of the Old Testament, that you'll be able to see Jesus like you've never seen him before. And not only see the promises and the prophecies of the Messiah, of the Savior, but maybe even more importantly, to see and to find this confidence that our God has always had a plan. And it's His plan for the world, and it's His plan for people like you and me. But God's plan is redemption. And as the New Testament says, He is making all things new. You know, the story is one great account of how God is working to put things back together the way they were intended to be. And with Jesus, He's made a way for you and me to have a relationship with God. I mean, and that message can be seen in the Old Testament and it can be seen in the New Testament. And I just like the way that one person summarized the entirety of the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. You know, he said the whole story of the Bible can really be summarized in three sentences. Jesus is coming, Jesus is here, and Jesus will come again. Jesus is coming, Jesus is here, and Jesus is coming again. You know, the story, God's story, I mean, it's all about his plan and how he sent Jesus to redeem us. And that's what Jesus wants these men on this road to see. And so he takes them all the way back to the beginning and he just starts retelling them the stories of the scripture and the promises of a Messiah. And like these men on the road with Jesus that day, your story, your life will never be complete without Jesus. I mean, it never will. I mean, you can make all the money that you want you can have a great big family. You can buy your dream home. You can make all state, or you could even do something like win the Super Bowl. But until you enter into a relationship with Jesus Christ, your life is always going to lack the purpose that you so desperately are looking for. You know, one of the challenges that we run up against is when we make it all about me. When it's all about me and what I want and about my desires and my circumstances. Um, I, I remember going out to dinner with Jenny one time uh, she was eight months pregnant at the time with our little girl Kate and uh, we had the opportunity to go to one of these real upscale joints for dinner and when I say upscale joint I'm talking like they didn't put the ketchup bottles on the table like you had to ask for ketchup and they brought it out to you in a little bowl all right so this is what we're talking about here and uh, so we asked for ketchup which you're probably not supposed to do it's probably very offensive but anyway the, the waiter came out and, and, and Jenny and I were sitting next together or next to each other and wouldn't you know it as he reached to put the ketchup bowl on our table he dropped it and, and it fell to the floor and it splashed and and, and all of a sudden I, I just looked down and I noticed that some of the ketchup had splashed on my pants and, and thinking only of myself I was like, oh man you know I, I wasn't upset or anything but I just commented I, I got some of the ketchup on my pants well little did I realize that in that moment my wife all of a sudden responded you got a little on your pants what about me and I turned and looked at her and he well he had dropped the bowl of ketchup on her and so it was down her arm on her dress and I mentioned that she was eight months pregnant, right? All right. I mean, that's like, that's like an important detail of the story. And, and, and so I kind of look at her a little shocked and, and she's holding it together. And I got to be real honest in that moment. My first thought wasn't how to help her, but really the first thought that came to my mind was, I bet we're going to get our dinner for free. Sweet. Like this, this is a really, you know, cool deal, right? She got her dinner for free at least. But hey, one of the things that we're going to talk about with this story is this concept known as the upper and the lower story. Now, the lower story is the one that's always being written from the six-foot perspective. Um, it's very horizontal. 
It's person to person. I mean, it has everything to do with how the story directly affects me or how it's affecting the others involved at the time. I mean, we have the tendency to reflect on the lower story all the time in our everyday life. And that, make, that, that can make life very difficult. But the upper story is the one that's being written and told from above, from God's perspective. And in the lower story of life, we're dealing with many of the same things that we deal with every day. I mean, it's paying bills and changing diapers and crying babies. It's dropping your kids off at daycare and changing jobs and the flu and college and breakup and things like grief. That's our lower story. But in the upper story, we discover how, what God is up to and how he is continuously weaving our story into his story. Because you see, the upper story is God's story. That's the story that he's telling all through Scripture. And what I can't wait for you to see is how every single week, with every story of the Bible, you're going to see the reality of the lower story, but also the upper story that God is continually driving home. And when you see them both, you're going to discover the wisdom in each and and discover the application that can be made in your own life. And, And the upper and lower stories aren't just limited to the Bible either. I mean, each day we see the lower story playing out in our own lives too. But my hope, my prayer is that you will discover all of the difference that it can make in your life when you realize that it's not just about me or it's not just about you and my circumstances, but it's about our God and what he's up to. And it's about his plan and it's about his purpose and it's about his story that he's wanting to write with your life. You know, we've got plenty of upper and lower story going on right here in Luke 24. Again, these men are just talking to Jesus or as far as they know, they're talking about Jesus. And everything they're saying is true. It's just incomplete. I mean, they don't know that they're walking with the Son of God right here, and they're hurt and confused. And, and the fact is that when you don't have God in your life, I mean, you're only able to see one side of the story. And it's usually that lower story. And oftentimes when you think about it, the lower story is a story of confusion. Uh, it's a story that's frustrating and seems hopeless. It's a story that's often incomplete or a story filled with plain. But, 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 But God is the only one who can make sense of your story. And So look how this wraps up in verse 28. It says, as they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if they were going farther. But they urged him strongly, hey, stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. And when he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. And then verse 31 says, Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. And they asked each other, Were not our hearts burning with us, within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the Scriptures to us? The final takeaway is right here. God's story is still being written. I mean, God's not done yet. I mean, he's not done with these men. He's just, he's just starting with them. He's not done with me yet. I mean, if you're here and you're breathing right now, you've got a pulse. I mean, you need to know that he's not done with you and your life yet either. And the cool thing about what we just read is that these two men are now becoming a part of God's story. And when you think about it, you know, the truth is that God's story, it has no beginning. I mean, this book called The Story that we're looking at together, um, it starts with chapter one, Creation. But God has always been. I mean, He's always been. And as you read through it and we talk about here or you talk about it in your group or with someone else, I mean, you're going to see God at work in the Garden of Eden. You're going to see Him in the wilderness. You're going to see Him in far-off places like Babylon. And as God's story continues in the New Testament, 
You're going to see it in a manger in Bethlehem, and you're going to see it with a cross that was planted there on Calvary. God's story is still being written. It's still being written with your life today, and it isn't limited to the pages of the book. I mean, it's in the life of the waiter who wonders from time to time if he's the only Christian in the kitchen right now. Uh, God's story is still being written with the wife that hasn't given up on her husband or given up on her marriage yet. You know, God's story is being written today with the college student who's trying to be faithful on a state college campus right now. His, his story is being written with the life of the soldier who is serving God first and, and country second. And, and his story is still being written with the man who, when he discovers he has cancer, clings to God rather than rejects him. God's story is being written every single day with every single circumstance and situation of your life and in this church. And I just love verse 31 again, Luke 24, 31, when it says, then their eyes were opened. Their eyes were opened and they recognized him and they saw him for who he was. And that's what I pray happens for each of us as we read the Bible, as we read the story together. You know, that reading this story, it's not just about gaining knowledge. It's not about data collection or anything like that. I don't want you to just know the story. But I want you to be able to say that you know the author of the story and that you're living your life for him. Will you pray with me? God in heaven, you know, there are chapters of our story that we'd love to take out and get rid of. There are pages in our story uh, that we wish no one could see. And Lord, in the midst of all the things we wish we could do over, we recognize and we realize that your story is so much more important than ours. And it's time for us to understand and embrace just that. Father, will you help us put our trust in you for all things? Will you help us fall in love with your story? And will you open our eyes to see the riches we have both in your word and in a relationship with you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray these things. Amen.